Thank you. Thank you, Frank. Um, praise the Lord. And good morning. Praise the Lord. Can you hear me? Yes, yes, we can hear you. Amen. Okay. Good morning. I want to praise the Lord so much for this morning. And um, I want to thank God for the opportunity uh, to share with you this morning. My name, as I have been introduced, is Kukunda Elizabeth Batrayo. I love the Lord. I, um, I am a parishioner at All Saints Cathedral, and I work at Uganda Christian University. I thank God for this opportunity for me to share uh, with you this morning. I'd like to thank the cathedral management for um, giving me this opportunity to share the word of the Lord. And I'd like to um, continue to start with a word of prayer as we share the word. I have been given the topic uh, that I'm going to share on is um, fasting in difficult times. Uh, that is based on Esther chapter 4 from verse 1 to 17. Let us pray. Our God and our Father, we worship you, we exalt you, we magnify you. Thank you for loving us so much that you invite us day after day to come into your presence, to dwell in your presence, to speak to you, and for you to speak to us. Lord, what a privilege that the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the creator of the universe, wants to fellowship and commune with us. We, who are we, O oh God? What, what, what are our families, O oh God? Who are we? What have we to even give you? But Lord, you still invite us and you want us in your presence and you, you listen to our feeble prayers. You answer us when we pray. Lord, we thank you. We bless you. We exalt you and magnify you as we come before you, Father, this morning. I pray, Father, that in the name of Jesus, you will have mercy on us and forgive anything that might be in us that might hinder our, our communion with you this morning. Lord, any sin that might be in our lives that you see, Lord, I ask that you cleanse us and purify us with the blood of Jesus. And I pray that your Holy Spirit will come and take over. Holy Spirit, come and take over everything that is going to happen here. Lord, I pray that you will be in our presence, that Jesus, I ask especially that you will use my mouth to speak to my brothers and sisters. Lord, I pray, Lord, that I will decrease and that you will increase, that as they listen to me, Father, that they will listen to your voice that they will forget about the channel that you're using. I'm just a channel, Lord. I pray that they'll forget about me and focus on you, O oh God, and that, Jesus, you will speak to each individual, that everybody who has come here, Lord, will get a word from you, O oh Father. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Uh, again, as I said, our topic today is 
fasting in difficult times, and it's taken from Esther chapter 4, verse 17. And I will read um, the passage. It says that when Mordecai learned all that had been done, Mordecai tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes and went out into the midst of the city and he cried out with a loud and bitter cry. He went up to the entrance of the king's gate for no one was allowed to enter the king's gate clothed in sackcloth. And in every province, wherever the king's command and his decree reached, there was great mourning among the Jews with fasting and weeping and lamenting, and many of them lay in sackcloth and ashes. When Esther's young women and her eunuchs came and told her, the queen was deeply distressed. She sent garments to clothe Mordecai so that he might take off his sackcloth, but he would not accept them. Then Esther called for Hathak, one of the king's eunuchs who had been appointed to attend her, and ordered him to go to Mordecai to learn what this was and why it was. Hathak went out to Mordecai in the open square of the city in front of the king's gate, and Mordecai told him all that had happened to him and the exact sum of money that Haman had promised to pay into the king's treasuries for the destruction of the Jews. Mordecai also gave him a copy of the written decree issued in Susa for their destruction that he might show it to Esther and explain it to her and command her to go to the king to beg his favor and plead with him on behalf of her people. And Hathak went and told Esther what Mordecai had said. Then Esther spoke to Hathak and commanded him to go to Mordecai and say, all the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court, Without being called, there is but one law to be put to death, except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter, so that he may live. But as for me, I have not been called to come in to the king for 30 days. And they told Mordecai what Esther had said. Then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will, escape in, you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise from, for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai. Go gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf. And do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my young women will also fast as you do. Then I'll go to the king, though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Mordecai then went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. This is the word of the Lord. So our topic again today is fasting in difficult times. and. Since this is day day 12 of uh, our 40 days of fasting and prayer as a cathedral, we've been talking about fasting for the past uh, 11 days. Several preachers have told us about fasting, have explained the benefits of fasting, 
And so I won't go into a lot of it, but I just wanted to start with saying that to, uh, to fast is to abstain, just in case there are some of us who haven't been coming. That fasting is to abstain from all or some kinds of food and or drink, especially for religious uh, reasons. And um, the abstinence from food or drink may be complete, it may be partial, it may be for a long time, it can be for a short time. And uh, we have heard about the different types of fasting, so I won't go into that again. But in ancient times, fasting was used to prepare people, such as priests and priestesses. And in some mystic religions, it was believed that the gods would reveal their divine teachings in dreams and visions only after a fast, when people that were devoted uh, were totally dedicated. And most of the world religions encourage fasting uh, among their devotees. The only one that I learned as I prepared uh, for this sharing that prohibits fasting is Zoroastrianism. Uh, it's a Western religion. They don't believe that fasting helps, but all other religions fast. And as we learned on Friday night, fasting among the Jews was a cultural thing, and it was done routinely. And the Christian church also maintained the discipline of fasting. When we read in Matthew, Matthew chapter 6, uh, verse 16, it, it, that verse shows us that Jesus encouraged his disciples to fast because he said, when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may be seen by, may not be seen by others, but by your father who is in, who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And so Jesus expected his disciples to fast because when you speak and you say, when you fast, you're really saying that fasting is expected. It wasn't if you fast. And so he expected his disciples and encouraged them to fast. But he discouraged them from fasting for the sake of being seen. There are people who fast because they want to be known. They want to brag about to show that they are fasting. But he said that it should be for the sake of seeking the father's face in secret. And we also learn in Acts chapter 13, verse 2, that uh, disciples the disciples also routinely fasted. And it was in one of those occasions when they were fasting. While uh, in Acts chapter 13, verse 2, it says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. And we read about fasting again when they were in Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch in uh, Acts chapter 14, verse 23. When Paul had been in their midst, they appointed, verse 23 says that when they appointed elders, when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they believed. And so the discipline of fasting has been part and parcel of our faith and belief. 
and it was a common occurrence in the Jewish tradition and the early church. And uh, the difficult times on, uh, is defined on the other hand as times of trouble, times of struggle, hard times when you're unhappy in extreme and undesirable circumstances. As our, as our topic says, fasting in difficult times. So it's fasting in times when there is trouble, when there is unhappiness. As we read in our passage in Esther chapter 4, the Jews were faced with difficult times. We, they were in a very difficult time. And the background to this passage, we read it in chapter 3 of Esther. It stems from Mordecai's refusal to kneel down and to pay honor to Haman. Haman had been elevated by the king. The king gave him a seat of honor that was higher than that of all the nobles. And like many human beings, this elevation entered Haman's head and he expected that everybody should bow down to him. And I think it was probably an expectation in those days and indeed everyone, almost everyone did except Mordecai. I believe Mordecai probably said uh, this kind of worship and honor should not be for a human being. It should only be reserved to, to, for God. And so he refused to bow down to Haman. And the refusal to bow and kneel for Haman incensed Haman so much. Haman was so full of himself that seeing somebody refuse to bow to him got him so angry that he hatched a plan to destroy Mordecai but also to destroy all his peoples, the Jews, throughout the whole kingdom of Zaxis, as we see uh, in chapter 4. That's what he was trying to do. And when he hatched this plan, they cast lots, and the lot fell on the 12th, the 12th month, the month of Ada. And uh, Haman tricked the king into signing an edict so that he could get the king's approval. He told King Zaxis that a certain people dispersed among the peoples in all the provinces of his kingdom kept to themselves and that their customs were different from all the other people and that they didn't obey the king's laws. So he convinced the king that it was not in his interest to tolerate them and persuaded him to issue an edict to destroy them and even offered to pay for its execution. That's how wicked he had become and how he hate, how much he hated the Jews, that he was willing to pay for their execution. But And he was so persuasive that the king was even unwilling to take his money. He refused the money, but gave him the freedom to do with the people as he pleased. And as we read in chapter 3, verse 12 to 15, the king's scribes were summoned on the 13th day of the first month, and an edict, according to all that Haman commanded, was written to the king's satraps and to the governors over all the provinces and to the officials of all the peoples, to every province in its own script and every people in its own language. It was written in the name of King Ahasuerus and sealed with the king's signet ring. Letters were sent by couriers to all the provinces the king's provinces with instruction to destroy, to kill, and to annihilate all Jews, young and old, women and children, in one day, the 13th day of the 12th month, which is the month of Adah. 
and to plunder their goods. A copy of the document was to be issued as a decree in every province by proclamation to all the peoples to be ready for that day. The couriers went out hurriedly by order of the king and the decree was issued in Susha, the citadel. And the king and Haman sat down to drink, but the city of Susa was thrown into confusion. So it's against this background that we come to chapter four. And uh, when Mordecai had learned of all that had been done, in response, he tore his clothes. He put on sackcloth and ashes, and he went out wailing loudly and bitterly. Not only Mordecai, but in every province where the edict of the king had come, the Jews did what sim similar things like Mordecai. They also mourned greatly. They fasted. They wept and wailed. They wore sackcloth and ashes. When they heard about the trouble that they were in, they didn't just accept it as this is it, we have nothing to do about it, but they fasted, they wept, they wailed, they wore sackcloth. These actions that they took uh, that uh, were taken by Mordecai and, and the Jews were normally done as part of repentance. And as I shared, as I prepared this, I was thinking, was this also what Haman did? Because many times what the enemy is trying to do for evil, God means it for good. And I wondered whether God was using this time to help the Jews maybe to repent. They may have been living in this place and hadn't had just fitted in there and given up and were living whatever kind of life they, they wished. And maybe the Lord wanted them to repent because these kinds of actions were also, as we read in Joel chapter one, um, verse 13, Jewish people were employed to do this, to put uh, as a signs of repentance. They were employed to put on sackcloth, to lament. All priests wail, all ministers of the altar, go in, pass the night in sackcloth. All ministers of my God, because grain offering and drink offering are withheld from the house of your God, consecrate a fast, call a solemn assembly. Gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land to the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. So this was a call to repentance in Joel. And some of and the things that the Jewish people did when that edict was passed was similar to what the Lord was calling out the priests to do, to wail, to put on sackcloth, to fast, to gather the elders and to mourn. Now, when Esther first learned about the edict and had the instructions by Mordecai to go to the king's presence and beg for mercy and plead with him for her people, her first instinct was self-preservation, like many of us. She was scared. She sent back word to Mordecai and said, you know, please excuse me. This is going to be a danger to me. The king doesn't allow anybody in his presence. As we read in verse 11, she said, all the king's officials and the people of the royal provinces know that for any woman, any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned, the king has but one law, 
that they be put to death unless the king extends the gold scepter to them and spares their lives. But 30 days have passed since I was called to go to the king. Esther was afraid. She knew that her life might be in danger. But Mordecai wouldn't let her off the hook. He reminded her that she was Jewish. And just because she was in the king's house was not enough to let her alone out of all the Jews to escape. She wouldn't escape. And he, she, he drove the nail in further by telling her that if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. Who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this, as we read in chapter 4, verse 4. And so Mordecai reminds her that even if you don't do it, you may not escape, but somebody else may actually rise up and be the help that we need. And it was at this point that Esther realized that she was stuck between a rock and a hard place. She really had no escape. She saw no escape route. She needed to go and uh, go into the inner court where it was uh, exposing herself to the risk of being killed. But she realizes that the calamity that was about to fall her, uh, that there was calamity that would fall uh, on her and her people if she didn't act. So at this point, instead of fear and self-preservation and saying, I will not go, this is too dangerous, she decided to change strategy. She realized that she needed intervention from the Lord. And so at this point, she gave instructions. She told Mordecai to go and gather together all the Jews who are in Susa to fast for her. The second thing she did was say that they should not drink or eat for three days, night or day. Then she also said, I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I'll go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. At this point, she realizes that whether she goes or doesn't go, she will still die. But she remembers that she as a Jew, she had a living God. She had a God who was a, a, a who had given them freedom to access him and that they could call out to him. Yes, there was a king and there was a king's addict, but there was a king of kings whom she could go to. She remembers that she needn't fear. She remembers that there is a God you can go to and call upon. And so Mordecai went away and carried out all of Esther's instructions. The rest, as they say, is history. Because the enemy, Haman, as we read further on, if we had read up to the end, the enemy who wanted to destroy them is the one who ended up being destroyed by hanging. And Mordecai was promoted and given such a high position in Susa. And he was then given permission to tell the Jews to defend themselves since the king's edict could not be changed. We know that when the day came, the Jews were the ones actually who triumphed over those who had tried to kill them because they had cried out to the Lord. And so what lessons do we take away from this story of Esther and Mordecai? The first one that I get is that Esther sought help from her brethren. After that uh, initial 
self-preservation mode, she changed her strategy. And once she changed her strategy, she asked Mordecai to gather together all the Jews in Susa to fast for her. She sought help from her brothers and sisters to fast for her. At times when we are in difficult situations, it is important to seek out others and ask them to pray for us and to fast for us. Many times when we are in very difficult situations, actually it's very difficult to pray. You find that you can't pray, you, you're very stuck in many times, or even when you can pray, you need encouragement from others. And so what she did, she asked them to pray and to fast for her. And so I believe that we too should be able to call upon others when we are faced with difficult times. The Jews were already fasting, they were weeping, they were, they were wailing, but each one of them had been doing it on their own and for themselves. But now they were to fast for Esther, for her protection. She even gave them specific instructions on how they were to do it. They were to do a three-day dry fast, no water, no food for three days. And this was for all of them, not just one. Sometimes we think that foregoing one meal in a day will not allow us to survive. I hope that none of us on this, on this call is like that, who thinks I can't even miss one meal. But for Esther and her brethren, because the trouble was so big and Esther's life was at stake, they decided to do three days, no water, no food for three days. In the past, when I would read or hear about people going without food or water for three days, I used to think, uh -uh, it's not possible. How can you not eat and drink for three days? But by the grace of God, I've since learned that this is very possible <laughs> and that you can go without food or drink for three days and it will not kill you. Uh, I think uh, one of the things that I, I will thank God for uh, the evil that the enemy meant for to happen during COVID times, that, that God still used those days of not working, not going anywhere to teach me a lot about these things of fasting. And so I do know that it's possible to fast for three days and, and not go and not eat and not drink and not die. And in difficult times, when you have issues that ha have persisted, things that are difficult, it's good to spend time, to take out time to pray and not focus on food or water. And this is what they did. And that's why we saw the triumph that happened, that they were able to overcome their enemies and uh, their enemy, Haman, became, was, uh, was killed instead of them dying. The second thing that Esther did was that they fasted. The second lesson that I get out of here is that they fasted and prayed for Esther. And it was done corporately. They were to gather. And it's the same thing that we also read about in, in, in Joel. It was gather, gather an assembly. It wasn't to be done in, individually. While it is important to fast individually, corporate fasts such as the one that the cathedral has encouraged us to do in these 40 days of prayer and fasting is valid. And in this case, it was really necessary. The, when you fast as a group, as a, as a church, it helps and encourages to keep 
uh, each other accountable. And the Lord seems to respond to people when they join in agreement and fast. And so I, I, I want to thank the cathedral management that they have always encouraged us as we start a new year in January to, stay, to put, set aside time to seek the Lord's face and fast together as a group and that we get together and learn uh, from the Lord. Like we see what, when, what happened in Nineveh, when the king and all the peoples of Nineveh, when uh, they had the, the judgment of the Lord, what the Lord had said, what he had sent uh, the prophets to tell them, they fasted and they repented and the Lord relented. When all the people together, when they join in agreement, when they fast, the Lord acts on their behalf. In the passage that we read in the book of Acts chapter 13, verse 2 to 3, it is while the disciples were worshiping the Lord and fasting, they were doing it together as a group. It wasn't individual fasting, but they were together worshiping the Lord. They were fasting, and then the Holy Spirit spoke and gave instructions. That is when he told them, set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work to which the Lord has called them. It was when they had fasted and prayed that they laid their hands on Barnabas and Saul and sent them off. And so when we fast as a church, as a corporate, the Lord also helps us to form natural sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. And the corporate fast helps believers to hear from the Spirit and to follow his instructions. And I, I, I usually remember, I remember uh, we are always told that as we fast, please pay attention to what the Lord is telling you. Pay attention to what the, the Lord is saying. The Lord speaks to us during these times of corporate fasting. And the corporate fasting also helped the early church in Antioch to have a unity of purpose. They were able to hear from God as a group, not individually. It helps when you're in a group and the Lord speaks to you in a group and there is no disagreement, but there is unity. So when we fast as a church, when we fast as a group, we are able to get united. We get a united vision as the denial of our flesh. When we stop paying attention to the flesh, trying to fill it with food, it also helps us to put aside our egos. It helps us to put aside our self-centeredness. And it opens the door for the church to seek the good of the church rather than self-promotion. This is one of the areas where the church has issues, where people promote themselves. They want to be in this leadership. They want to be in this committee. They want to be the ones that are hard. Sometimes you feel like everybody is individual. The church has many individuals, yet we are supposed to be one body. But fasting together helps us to be on the same page as a church. Because we are physically denying our, our flesh, we are able to allow our self-centeredness to take a back seat. And so fasting has the potential of helping us as a church to get to a singular vision, to have that vision and move together as a church. And my prayer is that during this time, as we pray together and, and corporately and fasted, that we will be all moving in the same direction and not pulling into different directions. The other thing 
that I learned from what oh. happened with, Les with Esther is that she too, she said that she too would fast and that coming. her attendance. She said that she too and her attendance would fast. She didn't leave it for others to fast for her. She said, you go and fast, I will do the same. My attendants would do the same. And so because she her, it was also about her, she's the one who had difficulty. It wasn't that it was, yes, she was in a, in a palace and maybe probably in a safer place, but she didn't say, ah, let the others fast for me and then I'll fast. And then I will just go on with life. But she also fasted. Some of us are in the habit of wanting others to fast and pray for us and are unwilling to fast for ourselves. So we want the reverend, we want the pastor, we want the intercessors to fast and to pray for us. But we are unwilling to experience the discomfort of going without a meal. But if you're going through a difficulty and you want God to intervene in your situation, it is best to seek the Lord for your help. Yes, we have been encouraged to ask others for help and to fast for us, but we should also be ready to join. Just like we see when Esther requested Mordecai and others to fast for her, she too was willing and she was ready to join and she also fasted. And so when we are seeking for help, we shouldn't ask others to pray for us and we are not willing to join in. We are not willing to accept that uh, the discomfort of, of fasting. We should be willing, we should be ready and determined to also fast for ourselves, for our help comes from the Lord. And it comes as we fast, we also, it is us that get changed. We are not trying to change God, but God uses the fasting to transform us and to transform our circumstances. Now, in this world as Christians, we are bound to meet difficulties. Anyway, even those who are not Christians, it's not only Christians. <laughs> even those who don't believe in Christ, they face difficulties. We can never be immune to difficulties. Even kings, even queens, as we can see, Esther, she was a queen, but she had difficulties. She, her life <clears throat> was in danger. In fact, for us as Christians, <laughs> Jesus has assured us in John chapter 16, verse 33, he says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. In Luke 9, 23, he also said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. We will face difficulties, whether we are believers or not believers. But as believers, is that assurance that we will face tribulation? It is part and parcel of being a Christian of this journey on earth. We will be, we will be in trouble we will face difficulties. We may not be persecuted to the point of being killed, but some of us may actually face death. There is no guarantee that you will not have to face death. 
because Jesus warned us about impending persecution. And so don't ever be deceived that you will not face difficulty because you're a child of God. In the Bible, there are very many examples of people who face difficulties. We see Paul, when Paul describes his life and what he went through, you see he, he was beaten, he was stoned, he was, he was this, um, people were saying evil things about him, what he hadn't done. He, yes, he was a believer and many of us want to be like Paul. So difficulties are part and parcel of what we'll do. And another person that we see in the Bible who faced difficulties is, is Daniel. Daniel was so, he was so righteous. He did the right things, but he faced difficulty up to the point of being thrown into a lion's den. He hadn't done anything, but he faced difficulties. We are all going to face difficulties and each one of us will face a difficulty. And probably each one of us that is here listening to me has faced a difficulty or is going through a difficult time. I just do that simple Google search of the sorts of difficulties that individuals face. And I, a whole lost host of things came up. Things like health crisis. Some of us have chronic diseases. We have incurable diseases. We've been told this can't be changed. Some of us, the other issue that we've, uh, difficulty we may face is workplace issues. We may face difficulty at work. We have work colleagues who are so difficult. We have difficult bosses. Even subordinates can become a pain at work. I don't know what your challenge is. Others, it is emptiness. You are alive, but you wonder why. What is the whole purpose of your being? and you don't see the reason why you leave. Others have issues with friends. It could be that you have friends that are, have broken your heart. You shared with them confidence and they've gone and spread out the word that you shared. You have failed in different areas. You may have a failed marriage. You may be having economic challenges. You may be feeling like you've failed as a parent. If you're a student, you may be failing in your academics. Financial crisis uh, right now in Uganda in January, people are sharing memes about how January has 40 something days. You may have already used up all your salary of December and you're wondering how you're going to get through January. It's not yet half the month. Other issues that we face include career pressures, unfair treatment. You have all sorts of difficult issues that you're facing, the challenges that you're facing. You are not alone. <laughs> Many believers are facing difficulties. Suffering, in Romans we read that suffering helps us to, it, it's a, it, uh, Paul encourages us that we should rejoice in our suffering because suffering gives us endurance. So we will face sufferings. But when we face, and we also face persecution because of our faith, we will face persecution. Some people will simply hate you because you believe, because you're a believer and you are persecuted because of that. But when we face persecution, we can deepen our faith when we understand that God has ways we can't even imagine. 
And so it's best to know that the Lord is with you. And one of the ways in which we strengthen our faith is through prayer and fasting. As we have seen in the life of Esther and in the early church, fasting has several benefits, which were also shared. In Esther's case, the Lord turned the very thing that the enemy had planned for Mordecai to befall Haman. It appears that Mordecai took the place that Haman had occupied before. And so the Lord, when he, we fast, he may enable us to face our difficulties and turn the tables of our enemies. We find that when we turn to the Lord in prayer and fasting, he fights our battles. He fights our battles because we stop using the flesh as we fast and deny the, ourselves and deny the flesh its the pleasures. And we stop looking at, at ourselves and thinking we have all that it takes to do whatever is needed. And we surrender to the Lord. He fights our battles. In 2 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, we read of a king called Jehoshaphat, who also fasted, and the Lord answered him. He had that there was a, a second Chronicles uh, starting from verse one, uh, second Chronicles chapter 20, verse one. When he had that a great multitude had come against him from beyond the sea, and just like Esther, he became afraid. And so fear is no more. When you're facing challenges, when we are facing difficulties, it is no more to be afraid. And there are some times when people say you shouldn't fear, you shouldn't be. That, the first reaction is it's, a, it's automatic. You can be afraid. Esther was afraid. She didn't want to go into the presence of the king. Jehoshaphat was afraid when he heard that a great multitude had come against him. But he didn't stop at that. And that's the thing that we should remember. When we are faced with difficulties and challenges and the fear comes, we shouldn't stop at fear, but we should do as the others that we read about in the Bible did, as Esther did, she fasted. In, in the case of uh, Jehoshaphat, he declared a fast. We read in Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 3, Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord. He proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord and before the new court and said, O Lord, God of our fathers, you are not God. Are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations in your hand are power and might so that none is able to withstand you. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? And they have lived in it and have built for you in it a sanctuary for your name. If a disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. And now behold, the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came from the land of Egypt and whom they avoided and did not destroy. Behold, they reward us by coming to drive us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. Our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do. 
but our eyes are on you. So him, meanwhile, all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. We read later on that they triumphed against this horde of people that had come against them to fight them. This is because they turned to the Lord. When they faced the challenge of being attacked, yes, they were afraid, but they turned to the Lord. So we too should be encouraged that when the difficulties come in our midst, we should turn to the Lord and fast and pray. We see in the case of Esther, she fasted, she prayed. In the case of Jehoshaphat, he fasted and prayed. In Daniel's case, he also fasted and prayed. In all our individual lives, we will face difficulties. As a church, we will face difficulties. What sorts of challenges and difficulties are you facing right now? What difficulty are you facing right now? And if you're facing one, are you afraid? If you're afraid, you are not alone. You are in a company of many people, including Esther, including Jehoshaphat. When they were attacked, when they faced difficulties, they got scared. Their first instinct was to get scared. But they resolved to not stay in that space of being afraid. Many of us, when we face difficulties, we turn to many other sources for help. Where do you turn to resolve the difficulties that you face? Where have you been going? Who have you been bringing your difficulties to? Are you using your human capacity to face those challenges? My prayer and my plea to you is that whatever difficulty you're facing, whether it is big, whether it is small, set a time, set aside some time to fast and to pray for yourself. But you can also join us. We are already in the praying as a corporate, as a church. Pray with us. Seek the Lord and fast because the Lord responds and grants the prayers of those who seek him. When you fast, when you seek, when you pray. We have seen many examples. I couldn't go into all of them because we don't have the time. Whatever difficulty you face, it is, there is nothing too big for the Lord to handle. But he has also given us a tool to use, to seek him, to come into his presence in fasting and prayer, and he will answer us. We have seen what Esther did. She went and asked for people to help her, to pray with her, to fast with her. She also fasted and prayed for herself, and she got results. My prayer and my plea for all of us is that when the difficulties come our way, we shall not try to resolve them using our own human efforts because in our own power, we can do nothing or whatever we accomplish can always be destroyed. But when we seek the Lord, the Lord fights our battles. When you look at what happened in, uh, in Second Chronicles, uh, the chapter that we read in verse 20, we, 
in uh, chapter 20, we read that the men of Ammon and Moab rose against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, devoting them to destruction. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they all helped to destroy one another. My prayer is that when you face difficulties, whether they are coming from people, you don't go to fight them in your own power, in your own strength, but that you will be able to fight, to fight on your knees, to fight by fasting and praying, and that the Lord will help make your enemies to destroy one another. Let us pray. A loving Father, we want to thank you so much because you're a God who fights our battles. We never need to fight. You've given us all that we need to fight on our knees, to fight using the, the, the tools and the armor of the spirit, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the word of truth as a belt around us, the readiness to announce the gospel of peace. You've given us all the armor that we need, the sword as the word. You've given us your word. We have all that we need to fight whatever challenges, whatever difficulties that we are going to face or that we are facing. Lord, I pray that you will forgive us for the times when we have faced challenges and instead of turning to you, we have turned to the world. We have turned to witchcraft. We have turned to people. We have turned to money and we think that they will resolve our challenges. Lord, I pray that you will forgive us and help us that from today onwards, whatever challenges we face, that we will turn to you, O oh God, that we will fast, we will pray, and that we will believe, and Father, that we'll be able to give testimonies of what you have done. We bless you, we exalt you, for it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you very much, and God Amen. bless you. Amen. Back to you. Amen. Um, before, thank you, Doctor. Before Frank leaves us, I'm going to ask that um, uh, Alan prays, then Frank will come to crown up, pick up the issues. So let Alan begin, and then Frank will also crown up. Then we'll have our, our provost to bless us. Alan, please. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Dr. Liz. Thank you, everyone, on the call. And um, one of the biggest things today Liz has clarified for me is I all along thought that wasn't sometimes wasn't Mordecai rebellious. No, but the issue is about whom are you worshipping? This issue was the issue of worship. Whom are you worshipping? Who are you trusting in all circumstances? Trust in the Lord with all your heart, with all your understanding. Right now, it's a challenging time. And I believe that each one of us is going through a challenge or has gone through a challenge, like Professor said. But the Lord is saying, in these 40 days, there's a breakthrough. In these 40 days, he's coming through. In these 40 days, it's not about Dr. Rebecca. It's not about Father Hillary not about any clergy, it's about us as a corporate body of Christ. And I want to encourage us that we are breaking through. It doesn't matter how difficult that situation has lasted. 
like Esther, we are breaking through. Is it difficult? Call, 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 call a friend, call us, call it and say, stand with me. This is a challenging thing. I have not been paid. This, this. So let us pray. Just this, just you see, Esther and Mordecai distinguished between obedience and worship. Let's trust in the Lord with all our hearts. And this time we need testimonies and testimonies after these 40 days. Let us pray. Our God and our Father, just like Esther and Mordecai, we are faced with so many challenges right now in life. Lord, if I walk through the streets of Kampala, if I walk through the upcountry places, whether here, Lord, people are faced with difficult things. Lord, we have issues of finances. There are issues of marriages. There are issues of children's rebellion. There are issues of school fees. There are issues of managing people. Lord, we are a big congregation. Maybe for the provost, it's managing us, seeing where the money is coming to run activities. Just like other corporates, other directors here, other leaders, Lord, this is a, an issue which has come to the Mordecais of today. Lord, I pray that you will give each one of us in this call the anointing of Mordecai to seek the truth, to seek God's guidance, and to go to the authorities even when it's difficult. My God and my Father, I pray that the anointing of Esther falls upon your children. If I perish, let me perish, not for carnality, but for that that the Lord has instructed us. Lord, I pray for a spirit of obedience. My God and my Father, as we've been going through this fast, you've been talking to me and saying, deal with self, deal with self, deal with yourself, deal with uh, your friends, because sometimes brethren's friends around us bring us down. They may say it's difficult, but seek the Lord. Lord, help us, help us to trust you. Lord, give us only the mustard seed faith that we may be able to go and go further, to go miles to get your voice. In Jesus' name, I pray. Listening to the Lord. The other thing is listening. Friends, listen as we go through this fast. Write down, my God and my Father, just as Esther listened, teach me to listen. Teach us to listen. Teach Professor Liz to listen. Teach everyone in this call to listen to the charge the Lord is giving us this season. It's a new season. It's a new charge. It's not business as usual. It was not like 2022. Lord, you make us clean garments. And so, Lord, just as your servant said, it was when the disciples were waiting that the Holy Spirit fell on them. And when they were waiting, there was instruction set apart Barnabas and, and Timothy for me. So, Lord, help us set each one of us apart. Set each one of us apart from our families, from our places of work, from our places of, of abode, Lord, from our cities, from our towns, set your children apart. Give them strength to go through these 40 days. I ask, oh Lord, when there is calamity, that we shall run to the Lord. When there is a difficult situation, we shall not turn into human beings, 
but we shall turn to God for help. Lord, there is somebody on the call who needs your attention this morning. I ask, oh Lord, that you send your Holy Spirit. Speak to him, speak to her, that it will be well. Let her go on, let him go on. Lord, help in the first, oh Lord. Lord, when we, because we are not alone. Lord, Jehoshaphat has gone through it. Daniel has been there. Esther has been there. And even fellow human beings have been there, those who are living today. So I encourage and, and I pray for my brethren here that, Lord, encourage someone here. What is that that is difficult? Is it a building that you're failing? Is it fees? Is it an investment? Is it a, a supply that are not paying you? Lord, make a way for your children. Make a way. Is it a job that is delaying? Is it a promotion? Lord, we are faced with many challenges. But like Esther, we learn to depend on you. We learn to anchor our faith on you. We have learned today that nothing is impossible with God. But the biggest thing is obedience, obedience to the call of the Lord, obedience to instructions. Sometimes the instructions are from our elders, from our clergy, from our seniors, just like Esther had to follow instructions from Esther. Uh, Esther had to follow instructions from Mordecai. Lord, teach us to follow instructions from our provost, from our clergy, from archbishop, from bishop, from the people who guide us from the team leader prayer, from the team leaders um, as a, 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 as a praying teams, because it's a season of prayer. So we would like to cultivate a spirit of listening and following instructions because it's a command. Lord Esther gave a command that everyone, everyone must not eat and drink. So, Lord, in these 40 days, it is an instruction all of us to fast. There is one person who is dilly darling and delaying to fast. Pick up the fast, pick up the fast. It may be partial. Pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. Start by doing morning two to three o'clock. Lord, help us. Give us strength. Lord, we pray that, Lord, there will be deliverance coming from Zion. We thank you, O Lord. We honor you. We magnify your name. Refill your servant, please, my God and my father, as she does her business in the university. I pray that, Lord, she will be a, a, an Esther. She will be a Mordecai because there are those who look up to her. Lord, help her to pick up even at difficult times when she has had loss. But, Lord, she has instructed us. Give her an instructed term. Give her favor before her bosses. Anoint her for your service. Lord, I also thank you. I just want to bring your servant, his grace, uh, Dr. Stephen Mugalu, that Lord, at this season, that you will listen. Give him instructions for the province. Give him instructions for the nation. But also give him instructions as, we, as they prepare to go to Gafcon. Lord, the people are depending on him, but Lord, it's not about him. May he download from the Lord and know where to take the, the Anglican communion. There is a call to, get, to secede from Britain, but Lord, we ask that Lord, you guide him. Guide the house of bishops, guide the clergy, guide us as a cathedral, because Lord, 
It's what all saints does that people say, but this is done. May you anoint your servant, Dr. Rebecca. May you give her guidance. May you give her uninstructed tongue. May you encourage her where she's discouraged like Esther and tell her it will be well. My God and my Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters as we go this morning, whatever has been challenging us that we shall be able to overcome just like Esther did just like Jehoshaphat did. Thank you, our God and our Father. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In Jesus' name, I have prayed. Amen. Over to you, Frank. Amen. Yeah, praise God. Thank you, Dr. Liz. The message was clear. <clears throat> Just quickly, those of us that came into uh, my mind, Second uh, Chronicles chapter 7, Verse 14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and, and, I will, and will forgive their sins and will heal their land. So we have seen that, yes, uh, fasting brings humility. So it's my prayer that we'll do that. Then another uh, point that came into that I highlighted, yes, where does your help come from when you are surrounded by enemies, when you are in bad times? Yeah, many times there is this saying of Gambano, talk to this one in case if you need any help. So for you, where do you run to? Uh, that um, that is, uh, it's, Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse, especially verse 12, the last part. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. For you where do you where do you fix your eyes when it is a difficult time, especially as a church, as a family, as an individual. Yes, those points were clear that when, yes, we need to hear from God. We need to put aside pride. Yeah, we need to put uh, aside pride. Then we have seen that uh, fasting brings us together as a church, as a family. Yeah, then we as individual, we also need a fast. We need also encouragement. We need to fast and we need also encouragement. And we have seen that fasting brings transformation spiritual transformation not only spiritual transformation but the whole transformation of a human being okay <clears throat> i just <clears throat> I, I want us to reflect individually according to what we have shared where do you turn for solution it's a question to all of us many times we say uh, I don't care, that one does not concern me. If I remain silent, then what? We have seen that in uh, Esther chapter, uh, verse, verse, chapter 4, verse 14. Esther was also challenged by Mordecai. Many times we say, ah, I don't care, that one doesn't concern me. But if we remain silent as a family, as a church, as individuals, just I want us to reflect. 
on that message as individuals. Just two minutes we can pray. You can pray as an individual then. <clears throat> I'm going to pray and then I will hand over to Provost, the assistant provost to call uh, Provost. Just two minutes, think about the message. If I remain silent, then what? You can see many times we see when things are going wrong, we say, I don't care, it doesn't concern me. But if I remain silent, but we know that still as an individual, yeah, we know there are things, wrong things that are happening in our communities, in our families, in our nation. Are we going to remain silent? But we know God will always create the way. Like the way Mordecai said, in case if you don't help, the help will come from somewhere else. I think when you read that text, it was from the Lord. Almighty loving Jesus, we thank you so much for this message, Lord. Lord Father, we thank you. And we bless your name, Lord Jesus, that you have fed us with your word this morning. Thank you for the new strength. Thank you for challenging us this morning. Thank you, God. And we pray that, Lord, continue to give us that spirit of coming together as a family, as a church, to pray, to fast together, especially in this season, Lord. Lord, Father, we are looking up to you. We don't know what to do. Many times, in difficult times, Lord, sometimes we think that we have solutions, solutions from friends. But Lord Jesus, we pray that, Lord, we look unto you, Lord, because every hope will come from you. Lord Jesus, give us that. Give us the grace, Lord Jesus, take a step. When things are going the wrong way, help us, Lord Jesus, to come together as a church, as a family, Lord, as a nation, to cry unto you, Lord. Father, Lord Jesus, we pray and we commit the rest of the day into your hands, Lord. We trust and we know that, Lord Jesus, by your grace and by your mercy that are new every day, you go before us, Lord. Continue to praise us, Lord. Thank you, Lord God. For in Jesus' name we have prayed.